Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You want your Burt Show in one full show every day, uninterrupted, and dang it, you don't want ads. No problem. Become a bonus Burt Show subscriber. Find out more at thebirdshow.com slash bonus BS. The Burt Show. All right, y'all, quick roll call to see who is here in the studio this morning. I am here, obviously. Abby, are you here? Present. Cassie, are you here? Here. Katie, are you in the building? Here. Jackson? I'm here. And Amber? Hello. Present. All right, now let's start with the important. Oh, I'm here. I'm here, too. Oh, Tommy is officially here. (laughs) I'm behind your back. You can't see me. I can't. I didn't know you was on mic. My bad, Tommy. Bert, are you here? Mm. All right, let's try Kristen. Are you here? And that means it's a Bertless and Kristenless Bert show <laughs> this morning, and I'm officially in the driving seat. I'm not sure exactly where they are, but I would so, imagine they'll be here any minute, Tommy. Well, I got uh, I got texts at 5:36 and 5:41. First one was from Kristen. She's uh, dealing with Jimmy, and she will be here. Uh, she's trying to get here uh, by next hour. Jimmy just getting in the way. And then uh, Bert. Why'd she have to have that kid? Yeah, right. <laughs> Bert, to tell her. Bert said, just woke up, having no idea why alarm didn't go off. Get there as soon as I can. Mm. Uh, he'll probably be here around 7, too. He must have taken some of those gummies that he was supposed to give me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he was out. That'll make you not hear your alarm. It'll definitely help. I, I can't think of a better way to start off the show and to start off a Wednesday than to try to figure out why all of the producers are in the studio, specifically producers Katie and Jackson, in order to try to get another producer on the show laid. <laughs> what, what, what's going on, y'all? Oh. Well, as you know, it's January is wrapping up. February is coming up. Valentine's Day is upon us. <laughs> and Katie and I have uh, made it a habit of, you know, once, maybe a couple times a week, going and grabbing some drinks, hanging out. Amber, of course, comes along too. And we've gotten to know each other pretty well through, uh, you know, these interactions after work. And uh, it was brought to our attention that uh, Amber how, how has been. Her love life has been? Is that what? <laughs> I was going to take a little bit more of a tag. You over there dancing. And I'm just, <laughs> let's, let's get to I'm it. I'm sitting next to her. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. Okay, before we get into the details of this, just for the visual appeal of this all, right? Like, um, <laughs> I, um, y'all can't see this because y'all are obviously not in the studio, but it, this will be on video. Y'all came in here with an objective to get her laid, but decided to put her in the smallest chair that you can find. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you can only see her from neck up. Yeah, I thought this was going to help the situation. No one told her to sit in the kitty chair, okay? <laughs> okay. There's another chair behind her. It's a grown that's person higher chair. up, okay? Yeah. The armrest is broken, bro. Like, you got to make decisions, you know, priorities. You picked the wrong decisions, and this is what's wrong with your life. Because <laughs> okay. I don't see what's going on. But as Jackson was saying, when we when we do this, there was one day where Amber wasn't with us, and Jackson was like, yo, Katie, we got to do something. Look at this dating profile. <gasps> and I'm like, all right, let me check it out. Now, mind you, Amber and I, we are the resident lesbians here. Yeah. So I take a look from a lesbian's perspective. It's personal for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, this is all wrong. <laughs> all, all wrong. And Jackson's like, yo... I mean, I was coming at it with a slightly different lens considering I am a straight man. So I didn't know if I was missing something, but I had to let Katie know, like, I think this needs a little bit of work. Yeah. Okay, so wait, Amber is out this day. And for whatever reason, you get a break and decide to go to her dating profile and you think it's so bad that you run to Katie and say, as a lesbian, do you stand for this? <laughs> we we got to do something. We're letting the, we're letting the gaze down. <laughs> this isn't as much of an invasion of privacy as it sounds initially. Amber and I had actually gone out the week prior and she had shared her profile with me. And so we were going through it together mm. and talking back and forth about, you know, what potentially needed to be done. And then I brought those things to Katie. Got it. Okay. So where were we at? Where were we then? Well, he's a hell of an ally. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are, y'all. All right. And this is where Jackson and I are going to team up. And we're probably going to need you all's help as well. Because okay. we're going to call this Operation Get Amber a Valentine. Oh. Because Amber also hasn't had a Valentine in years, you know? Yeah. So wouldn't this be like the perfect time to find you the one? Well, Amber, from your perspective, why have you not had a Valentine in so long? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I I was in a waste. I was in a, I was I was in a breadcrumb phase for a while. I was being uh, breadcrumbed for a while by someone who I thought I could trust, and I thought we were gonna do something, and it never happened. It became one of those things where so much time went by. You're like, well, now I'm committed. Now I, I put so much time into this. I, I have to make it work. Mm. And then I think within the last few years, I was just like, you know what? This is not going to work. This person is not who they said they were. They're not my person. It's just not, you know, and I finally decided to let it go. But because of all the breadcrumbing in the years that I wasted, I did. I felt like that was the as best as I could do. So I settled. I thought, well, the, the best I can do is a woman who, who doesn't have time for me. And mm. I settled for that. And then that became kind of like imprinted in my brain and I accepted it. And now I'm just now starting to come out of that cloud and be like, no, Doggone it, I deserve happiness too. So. Absolutely, so good for you. I'm finally uh, coming, come, you know, rising from the ashes, as they say. All right, so what master plan have we come up with to welcome her back into the game? So, as uh, step one of our five-step process, what the other four steps are, we haven't gotten there yet, but step one right well, now... you got to start somewhere, yes. so this is good. <laughs> ...is the dating profile, and this is where we think that we can get y'all's help. Um... Katie and I were going to come up with our top three suggestions that we think that the profile needs. And then we were also going to share the profile with maybe Abby and Kristen or whoever. And you guys would also come up with your top three recommendations. And we'd see if there's some overlap there and if we're all in agreement about the big things. Did you guys dislike the same things about her profile? Like, Katie, when you saw the profile, and you're like, oh, this got to go. Jackson, did you say the same thing and, and said, like, this is the one thing we got to change? Oh, yeah. He set me up because when he handed me the profile, he's like, what do you think about this? <laughs> oh, 
And so then he didn't even tell me what, he, what his thoughts were at first. And so then I went through. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is dated. This is, this, no, 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 no. He's like, yep, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Everything on the profile, we did agree of things that needed to be changed. You know, I, I, I took so much time. <laughs> you probably did, but we're going to put some more time in. Amber, okay, no, some more time. Nothing you say is going to be taken seriously while you're sitting there. <laughs> yeah, if someone doesn't take a photo of this right now, I swear. We need a kid's menu over here. All right, so, so we, are we doing this behind the scenes? Is that what's happening? Are we all looking at Amber's profile each individually and then coming up with our ways to help? I think that's the best way for us to do this, and then we can all reconvene and uh, discuss what our findings are. Okay, then we can move on to step two. Exactly, which we'll get to when we get there. Okay. It's a lengthy process. This is starting to feel a little sad. How many people's we got like a whole task force going on here? <laughs> when you're on Facebook dating, you need a task force. Look at it this way. There's fish in the sea. We're Ocean's Eleven. All right? We, gonna, we, we got you, Amber. We're going to hold you down. All right? The Burt Show. All right, in a world where everybody seems to just be naming their kids just anything nowadays, Cass, you have come up with a game that you think will be fun for us to play about which of these baby names are real and which one is the actual fake one. Yeah, so I have, I'm going to read you out three names. Two are actual names that people tried to name their child, but the government stepped in and was like, no, dog, that's not happening. And one is a random name that I've made up. You need to pick out the name that I've made up. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Here's the first round. So, remember, two of these are real names. Someone tried to name their kid. The government said no. And then I've made up a name. So, they're all ridiculous names. How can the government say no? That was my question. Um, It depends. There are, like, it depends by country. Some will step in to stop the kid if they think the name's going to ridicule them. They're going to be made fun of them. Other countries have, like, lists of names you have to choose from. Like, Morocco, the name has to be Moroccan. Or um, in Sweden, I, th- I think one of the Germanic countries, there's like a list you have to pick from that list. Iceland, the characters of the name have to be in the Icelandic alphabet, so you can't have a C in your name. Stuff like that. Wow. Yep. yep. We take a lot for granted. Oh, yeah. All right. Here are the first ones. King Robocop Fish and Chips. <laughs> King Robocop Fish and Chips. So one of these names is one I totally made up, but the other two are real names that people tried to name their kid. What was the third one again? Fish and chips. I feel like this is in the UK, so I'm going to say they greenlit fish and chips. King also would be greenlit in the UK, so I'm going to go, you know what? The Brits aren't okay with RoboCop. I am going to say that the one you made up is actually fish and chips, and someone did try to name their kid the first two. Um, someone tried to name their twins Fish and Chips in New Zealand. <gasps> I was going to say it's twins. Yeah, Tommy, you should play this, too. And then RoboCop has been outlawed in New Mexico, in Mexico, where someone tried to name their kid RoboCop. And the one I made up was King. All right, here are the next three. Lucifer, Messiah, Cheese and Rice. Well, we have an intern named Messiah. Well, it's spelled differently. His is okay. M-A, and this is like the Messiah. Say them again. Lucifer, Messiah, Cheese and rice. Okay, so these were all all made, rejected names. No, they're just all made up names. Two were rejected. One I just randomly threw in there. Okay. Cheese and rice has got to be made up. I'm gonna say that you that you made up Lucifer because I feel like somebody did try to name their kid Messiah because we already have an intern named Messiah. I'm with Tommy on this one. I think cheese and rice is the one you made up. It is. Lucifer is outlawed in New Zealand, as is Messiah. I made up cheese and rice. All right. Trying to name your kid Lucifer is, is something different going on. <laughs> You're setting that kid up for a bad life uh, and a bad on. afterlife. All right. How about this one? Superman, 
Tallulah does the hula, <laughs> and Lilo and Stitch. I'm Wait. going Lilo and Stitch because so far the third one has always been the right one. <laughs> Tallulah did what now? Tallulah does the hula. I would really like to believe that somebody tried to name their kid that. So I am going to go with you made up Lilo and Stitch. Tommy? I'm thinking the Lola one's the fake one. Yep, that's correct. Superman is outlawed in Venezuela. Tallulah does the hula from Hawaii is outlawed in New Zealand. Lilo and Stitch I made up. All right, I'm going to give you a tougher one. All right, here we go. Okay, how about this one? Sarah, Linda, Prince William. (laughs) (laughs) That is a hard one. One of those you had to make up? Um, I don't know why, but I'll go Linda. I'm going to go Prince William because I feel like you can't name somebody after a famous person in this country. You made up, Linda. Eh, trick question. They're all outlawed. Sarah is outlawed in Morocco. Linda is outlawed in Saudi Arabia. And Prince William is outlawed in France. Why is, what? Why is Linda outlawed? And Sarah. Because it doesn't fit within the, the cultural standards of their language. It's oh. not. It's not like a traditionally Moroccan name or whatever. I was thinking that because I was like, "Oh my god!" I know when I hear Sam, I know it's going to be a name that's out loud in mm-hmm. Morocco. They told the parent that's too bland. Try again. Yeah, basically. <laughs> wow. Add a little spice to it. <laughs> About these kale, spinach, cyanide. Speaking of, <laughs> um, uh, kale. Sp- I will say that you made up cyanide. Spinach. I'm going to go spinach. What Cyanide's are, kind of a the, pretty name. What are the three again? Kale. Spinach, cyanide. Cyanide. Nope. It's the fake one. Kale is the fake one. What? what? I know a kale. Some, what, right? <laughs> I know several kales. Do you? Yes. Do you really? Like K-A-L-E? Yes. Welcome to white people culture. I know several kales. What? It's yes. not K-E-L. I know a kale. No, it's K-A-L-E. Kale. Well, that's the one I made up as like outlawed. So the actual outlaws are spinach in Australia and cyanide in Wales. Someone tried to name their kid cyanide. She thought it was pretty and said it was responsible for killing Hitler. So she liked it. But the government stepped in and said, nope, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> wow. Learn something new every day. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. I'm going to need the ladies of the Burt Show to take a deep breath, which uh, for right now is just me, considering Kristen and well, Cassie's here. You got Cassie. But hard at work doing her actual job because <laughs> the Oscars, they got out their big magnifying glasses and went searching for the audacity to snub Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig. I'm so upset by this. The Oscar nominees came out yesterday, and of course, as expected, Oppenheimer is leading the contenders with 13 nominations. Poor Things is following right behind with 11. Martin Scorsese's film, Killers of the Flower Moon, got 10 nominations, and Barbie only got eight. And it could have been 10 if Greta and Margot had been included in this. It was, I saw a beautiful post from Shannon Watts, and it was a... A uh, clip of Margot Robbie as Barbie crying, and it's like figures that there was this like box office hit, you know, featuring women about women, and who was nominated? Just Ken. Classic. It's literally the plot <laughs> of the Barbie movie. <laughs> well, shout out to Ryan Gosling. He actually released a statement to show her just how outraged she is with the other women that this has happened. He said, "There's no Ken without Barbie, and there's no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history-making, globally celebrated film." It does feel, it feels tactical in a way, like very pointed, you know, because. Barbie was such a box office hit and it was very pop culture 
ish, but it really had such a cinematic, like artistic effect on so many women and it evoked so much emotion and for men as well. And so to not at least do Greta seems pointed like Margot is a, a definite snub, but I could I could buy into the argument of, oh, I don't think she did a good whatever. But Greta to have that kind of impact globally with a billion dollar box office movie and to not pick her for best director when her movie touched so many people feels calculated. That's the word I'm looking for. Calculated like they're trying to send a message or she made someone mad or the Academy is like, we're not going to let something so commercial ruin the Oscars the same way you never really see superhero movies nominated for Oscars, even if they do like evoke emotions because it's just too commercialized. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's so sad because I'm thinking for the other female directors out there and just how discouraging this must be for them because Greta Gerwig right now is a household name. She is becoming one of the greatest directors of our time. And if Greta Gerwig isn't getting nominated for a film that far surpassed commercial ex commercial expectations, I think it made like $1.3 billion at the box office, then who is going to get nominated? This is maybe a little too deep. So like art films or like Martin Scorsese, like those kind of prolific directors. But, you know, I think you can read into some undertones here. And it's sort of what what Barbie has been talking about is that things that women find interesting and women's entertainment is often dismissed as not legitimate. Mm -hmm. Needs to be taken seriously. And I don't want to diminish the other awards that people were nominated for for this film. Like, I mean, <laughs> the fact that Ryan Gosling is nominated and not Margot Robbie does feel, like you said, very calculated and very pointed, which is why I think it was so smart for him to come out and put out this statement. I am happy to see that America Ferreira is nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I... I hate to be a pessimist, but I think it's just going to be a nomination. She's alongside a lot of people who had some pretty, you know, intense dramatic performances. But I I'm really bummed. Barbie is nominated for Best Picture, but that's kind of where it sounds. I do think one good thing from this, though, is that it's breaking the walls down of a lot mm -hmm. of things that need to be talked about and brought to the forefront. And obviously, here we are talking about it. People are talking about it. It has to be addressed because how good and powerful Barbie was. So I think that's this is like a step in the right direction of where we should have been a long time ago. Yeah, and I think the Oscars should allow for like a redo. Like hear what the public has to say and, you know, maybe maybe think that maybe you're wrong and then we can we can reconvene. All right, did y'all ever win a superlative in high school? Because this is the crazy story surrounding the Oscars. So Lily Gladstone, she is nominated for Best Actress in a film. She was in Killers of the Flower Moon. And one of her classmates was joking that she's fulfilling a prophecy set a long time ago. So this guy's name is Josh Ryder, and he was voted alongside Lily back in high school for most likely to win an Oscar. So now that she's nominated, it could it's, it's almost like they knew the future. So I'm re really rooting for Lily Gladstone in this category. That's really cute. But if you're the guy in that situation and you are also nominated and you're working at like an H&R block, which is an important, <laughs> literally, I don't know how to do my taxes. That's an important job. But are you like, oh, <laughs> neither of us was supposed to actually do that? <laughs> Wait, I thought we were just being dramatic. Like I thought most likely to get an Oscar was just about how we were both drama queens. Right. But you actually took this seriously, I see. I, um, I was so embarrassing in high school. I wanted to win a superlative so bad that I literally campaigned to win, I think it was like best all around or something. And everyone- <laughs> Best all around. <laughs> which, which, is that, is that 
Look at you. Is that not the most? No, no, for real. Is that not the most narcissistic thing you've ever heard? I'm going around and people are just looking at me like, you crazy. But I was like, I want to win this. You know what? We need to get, Mo, did you ever win a superlative? I, I don't even remember which one it was. I think it was like best dressed or funniest or something like that. Of course you did. It was probably, it was Mo, probably best Mo. all around. Yeah, yeah. Like, the best all around. The best overall. Yeah. <laughs> just the best. You can just call me the goat. It's fine. <laughs> Shout out, 17-year-old Abby. I miss you. All right. Khloe Kardashian's ex. She just got suspended from the... Or Khloe Kardashian's ex just got suspended from the NBA for cheating. I'll explain why on your next Evas on The Burt Show. The Burt Show. There is no doubt. There is no argument. There is no debate. And I've heard this done before where guys try to dig in going, no, it's harder to be a guy than it is a woman. So much more pressure on a guy. We need to shut up. <laughs> That's just not the truth. Just not at all. There's a lot of things about being a woman that make it way more challenging than a guy. And for Abby, there's one thing on that list that's preventing you from being on your bucket list. Yeah, I don't want this to be a, oh, I hate being a lady segment, but there are a lot of things that I really do hate about being a woman. I mean, there's a lot of things to love. I mean, you know, like things like the Barbie movie and makeup and whatever else is in that Shania Twain song. But for <laughs> me, there's a lot of things that are just constantly on your mind as a woman that make it just so freaking difficult. So there's this one thing that I really want to do, but being a woman is holding me back. And I think it might be the number two thing I hate about being a lady. Before we even get into that, and Cass, grab a mic here also. Name the three things you love about being a woman. Because from the outside looking in, there's like two. Men, shirts, shorts, skirts. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather be a guy. Um, <laughs> me too. I think the freedom to be who you really are is more embraced for women. Like, I think sometimes men feel like they have to, like, shove down a lot of who they are. They can't cry. They can't be, you know, goofy. They're expected to be, like, a little bit more masculine. Whereas women kind of, like, do whatever you want. Um, I really appreciate female friendship when it's good. When it's bad, it's awful. But when it's at its best, female friendship is wonderful. And um, probably, like... Close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Three majors. Positives of being a woman. Um, I liked being pregnant, so that was fun. You enjoyed that? The first time. Okay. The second time, not so much. <laughs> uh, I really, I do like makeup, and I know some men wear makeup, but I feel like, again, it's more accepted for women. It's kind of like an art form, and I really enjoy that. And that's where my list stops. Two <laughs> things you really love about Genu- being a woman. I mean, I do think, like, I... I don't know how much of this is just my personality or you could chalk up to, you know, differences in the sex. But I do feel like being able to see all things at once and what needs to be done and how everything comes together is a plus. But that just might be my personality. Mm-hmm. But there are many days when I look at my life and I'm like, <laughs> I like who I am and I like being a woman. But God, if I was a man, I'm like just I won't say it would be easier, but I feel like there would be a pressure relieved in a way. In some ways, yeah, for sure. In others, probably not. But I mean, look, waking up in the morning, throwing a T-shirt on, putting my hand through my hair and then being ready. That's a real plus. Yeah, the expectations (laughs) for men are definitely lower in some regards. So that would be nice. So probably the number one thing I hate about being a woman is probably something stupid like mood swings. But number two. We don't like that that much either. (laughs) 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 So a thing about me is I always got to have a hyper fixation. And now that I'm done with my nose job, I need another big (laughs) purchase to focus on. I need something else to take up the mental capacity so I don't have to have a singular thought in my head. And this one thing I'm holding back on because I'm a woman. 
And I know it sounds a little weird because it's like, Abby, this is 2024. Women can do anything. And I'm like, yes, but with stipulations. And the next thing I want to buy is a flight to London. Mm -hmm. And I would love to do a a big trip. I've always wanted to go there. I've always wanted to, you know, see Big Ben and Buckingham Palace and, you know, sit in a pub and have a pint. But Mm -hmm. I don't, at this stage of my life, you know, it's not like once you get to like Kristen and Bert's age where you can just look at your couple friends and be like, hey, you want to go to Finland Mm -hmm. and, you know, have a big vacation? There's not a lot of other girls out there who are like, yeah, let's just drop $2,000 on a flight Mm -hmm. to London. You know what I mean? So I would probably end up having to go alone, which doesn't freak me out in terms of like, oh no, a solo vacation. I know I've been a little bit of a hater on your solo mm-hmm. vacation spurt. Cause I'm like, you know, it would be fun to just kind of like trawl up around the city and do whatever I want. But I will say, I have seen the movie Taken like one too many times. (laughs) And the fact that I'd be a single female traveler in a foreign country, honestly, I think it would make me too nervous to truly Mm. enjoy myself. Well, I think when it comes to to that kind of ambition traveling by yourself. I think you take it slowly at first because most women are saying the same thing that are DMing me. Oh my God, I'd love to do that. But the fear of something happening to me would take away from my enjoyment. Well, rather than go to London for the first time, which by the way, you'd be fine. Go to Charleston for a weekend just by yourself. Go to Savannah just for two days, just so you get a little comfort and then end up going into London. But I think traveling by yourself or traveling with people from a guy that loves to travel is the same. You stay in the places you're supposed to stay in and you're safe for the most part. You just have to be vigilant. And um, I can speak a little bit to this because my family, I mean, I'm British. My family's British. And so I was traveling to specifically London by myself at a very young age, like 12 to 13. And this was back before airlines really had restrictions on solo travelers. So I was doing international flights by myself and then hopping on a train and going 40 minutes to Reading. And as long, like Bert said, as long as you stay away from the sketchy areas, don't go walking around at midnight, Mm -hmm. know when the tube stops Uh running, you know, and just be aware of your surroundings. Don't tell people where you're staying. Like, and take in, they're like, we're staying here at my aunt's (laughs) place all alone, Mm -hmm. random strange man. By the way, the door's open. Right. Don't (laughs) do stupid stuff like that. You would be totally fine in London. Mm -hmm. And if you were going to travel internationally, I think somewhere that has the same language as you so you don't have that barrier is a really great start i would do it that's like europe 101 london it's the easy it's easy to get around like cassie said uh people can point you in the right direction you don't have to break out google translate it's super simple so if you're gonna do it that's the place to do it okay and i'll put you in touch with my family there i've got uh cousins who are a little older than you in their young 30s, but they're a lot of fun. And you can have them as all backup should anything go awry. This is a big step for feminism. Thank you for talking this out with me. Yeah. Yeah. Big step for women today. The Bird Show. All right, Mo, your friend might have it twisted here again. I think we are defining uh, incorrectly what a line in the sand day truly is compared to an ultimatum. I think your dude might be going through this. So, yeah, he is found himself right at that line in the sand, apparently, and he is trying to figure out if it is worth to actually go across that line and continue this relationship, or should he just let her go altogether? And now the line in the sand date, as far as I know it, right, uh, Bert, I've gotten this from you. I believe you have labeled it the invisible line in the sand date, which that is when someone will say, I have this date in mind that I need this to happen, whether it's an engagement or whatever it is, and if it does not happen by that day, 
I'm leaving this person. And no the, questions asked. And the other person doesn't know about this line in the sand day. Now, to be fair, you've had conversations with them about where you want this relationship to go and what you want in a relationship. So in this case, if it's marriage, you, you guys have had the talk. Like, it's important for both of us to be married or at least for me to be married. So that is already established. Now, if they don't reach that mental line in the sand day that you have, then you just take off. It's not an ultimatum. They don't even know about it. But you've already expressed this is what you want. So here's where my dude is feels is giving some pushback to that theory and that logic. Now, in his case, it's not an invisible line in the sand date because she let him know what the date was. Okay. It, it was very visible. Now it's an ultimatum. So you think that does change it? Yes. Okay. So, well, I guess in this case, then, she gave him an ultimatum. So they have been dating for a little over six months. And at first, he, he, he didn't really want to be serious with her because he just got out of a very, very long-term relationship over a decade he was i mean he doesn't know the first thing about dating and getting mm -hmm. back out here not his thing but he came to me and was like i gotta start getting back out here and dating and he did we've traveled together we've done a lot together and he meets her and i've always kind of found that a lot of the time when you don't want to meet somebody and when you are really set on trying to work on yourself <laughs> figure things out and it's the last thing you want to do you meet somebody that challenges that mentality that's funny how the universe works that's what i was trying to tell you a couple of months ago as soon as you say to yourself look for the next 60 days i don't want anything to do with dudes they will start it's like a magnet they just can they smell it abby but i have done that before and it still doesn't work i just think men don't want me <laughs> i feel like we did it with you for like a week and you're like, all right, then I went to a bar with seven girls and we started looking for dudes. It, it took a while for him. It was like about a year, but that wasn't enough time for him. And this is where timing, they always say timing is very important when two people meet. Because in her life, it's understandable where she's coming from and what she wants because she's been single for a while. And she's been looking for that guy to share the rest of her life with. But in his life, he's just got out of this really, really long-term relationship. Now, at first, he was like, we're going to keep this casual. This is what it is. I don't want anything more. At some point, especially as his friend, I could see you're fighting this. Like, you you like her. You like her enough to actually challenge the fact that you thought you wanted to be out here single for a long time. So the transition was happening, but I don't believe it was happening fast enough for her because she wanted more and she wanted it now. Okay. And so she made that clear to him and told him, you have until this specific date. It was a very specific date. Like, I don't know why this date, but that was the date he got. And again, this is six months now they're dating. That's it. Six months. Six months. So I think in her mind, at the six-month point, where are we? What are we doing? Like, are we going to continue this? Because I don't want to waste my time. And I understand it. But in his mind, it's been six months. Mm -hmm. I don't really have that answer yet. So when I went to him and said, well, what do you want to do? Because I, I don't think it's completely unfair for her to ask the question. And he disagrees with me because he feels like he doesn't like the line in the sand date. And this was interesting to me because he feels like two people should be able to have it. So what he's saying is he understands that she has a date where this has to happen to her. But then what does that mean about his line? Does his line now become irrelevant and unimportant? Because in his mind, yes, I actually do like you enough to where I may consider mm -hmm. going down this direction with you, but I'm simply not sure yet. It's yeah. only been six months. Yeah, I think timing really is. I know it's a cliche, but, you know, the old romantic, the Hollywood definition is love will conquer all. I, 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 maybe because I'm getting a little on the older side, I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, I think there are a lot of things that, that come into play, and timing, I think, is number one. So their timing just might be off. So he feels like... He wants to walk away simply for the fact that she made this 
an ultimatum situation, even though he likes her, mm -hmm. even though he actually feels like it's working and he can see a future in it, in his mind, if you're not going to be able to understand that I was in such a long relationship and I just need a little more time, because I have my own time that I'm on, I need more time to figure out if I am even ready to be in such a serious relationship. And if you're not going to give me that time, then why do I have to respect your time? Here's the thing. If he is still recovering from this last relationship, he shouldn't have gotten into this one to begin with. So if he really does need more time, so like let's say that's three months or six months, he just wants to give it a good year, you can have that time, but you got to do it without me because then I'm compromising who I am. If I really want to be in a serious relationship and I know I want you, but you're still not sure about me or you're not ready to offer me the things that I want, that's totally fine. But then I got to step out, and then you can come back to me when you're ready. So here's where I would challenge you on that. In his mind, that's fair, but she established that when she was ready, not mm. when he was ready, because she didn't say that in the beginning. In the beginning, they were both completely okay with the situation being casual, which is how they got to where they are. But then she decided, enough casualness for me. Mm -hmm. It stops now to whereas he's not ready so why does her line the only one that matters? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it was a very, hey, let's sit down and talk about a date that works for both of us type thing. It was like, this is what I want. I hope you fit into my puzzle. And now he's going back and saying, I guess I don't fit into your puzzle. And he figures he should let it go as opposed to, I guess, being patient. Unless he goes back to her and says, I'm going to let you know right now that that's, that date's not going to work for me. Like, that's what he did. Okay. So I guess now the ball's in her court on whether or not she is going to have some leniency in it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's got to take a step back. I think she's got to do what's best for yeah. her. The Bird Show. I think you guys would back me up on this, that when we have interns or producers that end up leaving the Bird Show and doing really well, maybe doing their own show, uh, we got Blake up in Nashville who's doing morning news. I think I can speak for all of us. We take a lot of pride in that. Oh, tremendous pride. Right? Absolutely. So we got five interns in here that if they leave us one day when their internship is over in like a decade. Well, I, I hope they leave us one day. <laughs> otherwise, you're just going to be in college forever. Some of them just don't ever leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, that if they get a morning radio show, we need to... We need to prepare them for that, correct? Or let's say, since our industry is dying, you guys are doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you still need to understand the art of the tease, right? Now, the art of the tease for us is the first couple of seconds of any segment. What we're trying to do is get you guys to listen like, oh, that sounds very interesting. Our science shows us that we have about eight seconds to get you guys that are listening in your cars right now to make a decision like, okay, I'm going to stick around for that whole segment. And if we don't get you in that first eight seconds, then chances are really good you're going to go to another radio station, listen to some music, or so to listen to some other lesser morning show. <laughs> <laughs> we're not biased. No, we're not. Not biased not at, at all. all. So we've brought our interns in here for a little practice this morning. Mm -hmm. We got five interns. We got Annalie. We got Courtney. We got Caroline. We got Haley. We got Messiah. And they're all going to come in here and tease us one personal story in less than 10 seconds. We will hear each and every one of their teases, and then we will collectively have to pick one of the interns to tell their story. It is the battle of the interns. Okay, up first, Annalie representing what school? Um, I go to school at the University of North Georgia. University of North Georgia. Okay, you've got less than 10 seconds to tease us this story and intrigue us so much that we're like, oh my God, we got to hear that story. Okay. I might be admitting to a crime right now. 
It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. She didn't even need 10 seconds. <laughs> She's like, good. give me two. <laughs> <laughs> Might be okay. All right. Courtney, grab a mic. I'm from University of West Georgia. Um, I live with my ex-boyfriend, and he did this with two other women in our living room. Ooh. Ooh. Spicy. Oh, she knows the 80-20 rule. Yeah. <laughs> now, the 80-20 rule in our industry is tell you guys 80% of the story, and you'll stick around for the other 20%. Well done. This is pretty much just like rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> we are. NPR right now. <laughs> All right, Caroline, go for it. Okay, I go to the University of North Georgia. Uncle Sam came for his cut of my hus- husband's 108K poker winnings. Ooh. Ooh. Another good okay. one. All right, very good. All right, Haley, step right up. I'm Haley from Kennesaw State University. My tattoo artist got arrested halfway through my very first tattoo, but for what? Oh. Ooh. That's solid, man. Pretty good right there. The police was like, oh, that tattoo looks rank. Okay. <laughs> Stop it. Messiah, step up there. Yes, this Messiah from Kennesaw. Friend or foe, what lies did this person tell about me in order to make his way into the group chat? <gasps> Ooh, we got some drama. It wasn't a bad one in there. Okay. We got to pick which one of those stories to hear. Let's go one by one. Oh, my God. Uh, which one stands out to you right off the bat? <gasps> I'm deciding between two. I'm deciding between... Messiah and Haley. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go Haley. I want to know what happened to the tattoo artist. Okay. That was the first one that jumped out of me, too. I, I've never heard of a tattoo artist getting arrested in the middle of a tattoo. I have to know okay. why. It should happen more often. Yeah, right? <laughs> you would should, think. It should be common. <laughs> I want to hear Courtney's story about what happened in the living room. I want to hear Courtney's story about what happened in the living uh, room, too. I'm going to be the deciding factor Ooh, here. You wait. are. I think Courtney's story is clickbait. It is. <laughs> but I want to click it. Works. <laughs> so it's between Courtney and Haley. Or I, I, I want to hear the tattoo story. Yeah! <laughs> I want to hear that tattoo story. All right, step right up. You won. <laughs> All right, let's see if the story is, because we always say, don't ever There's let a lot the of tr- pressure now. <laughs> don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good story. The yeah. interns are like, this better be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all scared, drilling holes into your back of their eyes. You better nail Don't worry, one. guys. I won't disappoint. By all the right. way, when you watch this on our Facebook later, because we post the Facebook videos, you're going to be in the video, but all the other interns are going to be in the behind you. Like, all right. Yes. The line of shame. These are my people. The second place line. <laughs> all right. So um, you were going in to get what tattoo? Set it all, us, uh, all yeah, up for Yeah. So I had traveled to Chattanooga for the weekend with my ex-boyfriend. My first time, like, a trip without my parents. I had just turned 18 and I was like you know what I want a tattoo this is so exciting so I go into the first tattoo shop we find in downtown Chattanooga so you do no research whatsoever no oh, yeah. not one That's bit of research right. how much drinking was uh, going on before that they were None. 18 I was 18 no. okay. I genuinely yeah, nobody drinks before <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about Ridiculous. <laughs> what, what is alcohol? Um, no, She's so, not the one confessing to a crime, okay? Yeah. So we see this random tattoo shop, and I was like, I kind of want a tattoo. And he's like, all right, go in and get one then. I was like, oh, what a great supportive boyfriend. So we go into this tattoo shop, and I said, do you take walk-ins? And they were like, sure. And I was like, okay, uh, what's your shop minimum? Because a lot of tattoo places have a minimum amount you can spend and, you know, it goes up from there. And I was like, what's your shop minimum? And I should have left when he answered with, 
how much money do you have? <laughs> and I was like, I have $60. He's like, all right, what do you want? <laughs> $60 is the minimum. So, so me as a freshly 18 little, I mean, I was your typical Visco girl. Like I, as basic mm-hmm. as it gets. So I search up on Pinterest, cute ocean tattoos. <laughs> First thing that pops up. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. I got it on my hip, kind of right under the bikini line so I could hide it very easily if necessary. And, and what are you getting? Um, it's like a mountain, a wave, and a sun all kind of in one. Like the the concept was pretty terribly executed though. Well, it was I 60 why. bucks. Yeah. Um, I'll show you guys after. But I haven't heard of Chattanooga being a hub for great no. tattoos. I'm sure no. there are. Um, so... You know, he prints it out. I sign the waivers. He scans my ID. We're going through, like, half the tattoo is getting set up and them getting the ink out and all that. So we're getting ready to start. And then, like, three or four squad cars pull up to this tattoo shop. They come in. Like, they, like, bang open the door. There's no, like, you know, hi, how are you? We're here. They were like, no, we are here for him. And they point at the guy, like, with the needle almost touching me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What's happening right now? So they put him in handcuffs, they take him out, and meanwhile, I'm sitting there, my entire butt cheek is out right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, so do I, do I pull my pants back up and leave, or, or what? And then one of the other artists was like, oh, no, nah, man, I, got, I could do it for you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was 18, afraid to say no. I was like, I think I already paid, so you know what? Sure, just do it. You you didn't in that moment think maybe this is the universe's way of telling no. me I should not be getting this tattoo right now. What it went as far as to arrest do? another man. Listen, <laughs> what I, more do you need? I am four years smarter than I was when I got this tattoo. <laughs> um, I also have seven more now, so clearly it didn't deter me from any more. But as he's doing the tattoo, I uh, I said just out of curiosity, do you know why perhaps he was arrested? And they said, oh yeah, he steals motorcycles. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And I was like, so you're aware that this happened? Like this is a thing? And he's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, it was only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> just happened oh, to be on your time, yeah. right? And I was like, oh okay, figures it was me, this brand new eighteen year old. I'm crying because I'm nervous. And, <laughs> But I think that should be required for tattoo artists. You should have one felony, one <laughs> felony on your record. Just gives you the more credibility when they're giving you a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because we are in Chattanooga, if you are a <laughs> reputable uh, tattoo shop, um, if you want to hit us up on social media, we'll make sure to like publicize you. And yes. the next time you're there. You I'll go, go there instead. You won't have a good story for the radio. Mm-mm. That's okay. But you'll have a quality tattoo, <laughs> which is even better. <laughs> the Bird Show. Did we catch her boyfriend messing around on her with a coworker or a former coworker or not? We're about to tell Danielle just that. Good morning, Danielle. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so for those that don't know the story of you, the boyfriend, and why you're just a little bit cautious that this dude might be messing around, can you sort of recap it for us? Yeah, thanks. Um, So my boyfriend used to work with, he has a friend now, but he used to work with her, and they're really good friends, and... um. She, okay, so he used to work with her, and they had, like, a a relationship, but, I mean, they were never in a relationship. She was in a relationship, so nothing ever happened. But anyways, she left that job, but now she's 
back and she's working with him again. And ever since she's been there, he just talks about her all the time. Like he's always like, Oh, Colleen, Colleen. You know, I, and nothing like weird, but anyways, I, it just really annoys me because this girl's kind of perfect in a weird way. And I've always felt insecure about her. So, um, the big thing that really got to me was that he all of a sudden said he was going out for a coworker's birthday. And then I find out that it was Colleen's birthday mm-hmm. and he didn't tell me about it. And then I find out after looking on like Instagram and social media that other people had their, you know, their wives, significant others, everyone with them. But I was never invited. He was the only one by himself. Yeah. Her birthday. That's a party foul. Yeah, that's the that's the car dealership red flag right there. The one yeah. that when they have the American and, flag out there that's huge. Mm-hmm. This is in this relationship, this is the red flag. And that's the one that Mo is pointing to going, that's the one that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's the one that bothered me the most yeah. because at that point it's not even about her. It's just about the simple fact that all of these couples are there and you didn't invite me or tell me that I was invited. That that would be an issue for me regardless. Yeah, and then also like he would always talk about or we would always talk about maybe getting engaged in the next steps and our future. And since she's been back in the workplace since I think October, he totally has gone on mute about that. I just don't even know if if he's going to propose to me. I thought he was going to propose over Christmas and it just didn't happen. So I I don't know. He, he just keeps dodging now things about our future and I don't, it's just weird timing. (laughs) Yeah. You've got plenty of things there that, are indicating to your mm-hmm. gut like something's not right. So let's see if it's yeah. at least not infidelity here because we did uh, War of the Roses on them last night. We did. So we sent a fake oh. promotional email to the email address you provided for us, Danielle. Uh, he's offered a free okay. bouquet of flowers, able to choose from several options with pictures, and those options were cactus make perfect, show your encouragement to a friend, co-worker, see how we try to trick them, or loved one with this charming collection of assorted cacti and succulents. Next, you have You Make Me Daisy. The most cheerful basket of white daisies will drive anyone crazy with delight. Then we have Mom's The Word. When you don't have the right words to use, express yourself with flowers. This lovely arrangement of pink roses, giant sunflowers, lavender moms, and white carnations is the perfect way to express what's on your mind. And then lastly, of course, as time rows by. The classic bouquet of long stem red roses, a passionate choice for someone you want to spend all your time with. In exchange, he was asked to share some promo codes for a percentage off a future order with friends and family. The first promotional email was sent at 9.42 a.m. And he did not waste any time. He ordered flowers almost immediately at 10.07 a.m. Um, the coworker that you are concerned about, Danielle, what's her name again? Colleen. That's who he sent the flowers to. <gasps> Are you serious? He chose. Oh my God, I'm like shaking right now. He chose the You Make Me Daisy. Um, and the note on the card said, Thanks for your help last week. We make a great team. And his name. <laughs> so while not romantic. What's the mean? I know. I, well, it's not romantic, <laughs> but it's definitely concerning. Under. No circumstances if you have a girlfriend or a wife, no matter what project Kristen and I are working on. (laughs) Uh, If I get a chance for free flowers, my knee-jerk reaction is to my significant other and not my coworker. So we we got problems here. Sorry. Well, it's not like I didn't hear anything about this. He didn't tell me anything 
that he sent flowers, you know, like he sent a gift to someone. And I think, so there, so if I actually have a differing opinion than Bert, like if I'm getting free flowers, personally, I'm going to think they're lesser flowers than if I purchase them. So I would, if, if something like this came up, I would send them to somebody else and not a significant other, not thinking anything of it. Um, now the problem here is if my husband sent flowers to another woman, I expect him to tell me, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Colleen did such a great job, blah, blah, blah. I want to send her some flowers to thank her. Yep. They should definitely come exactly. up. Exactly. Like that, that, I would like that mm-hmm. to be expressed. Now this has Cause a, then it, cause, cause then it feels like you're hiding something. This has a high gaslighting factor though. So if you go back to this dude and you're like, Hey, what about the flowers or what have you? If you decide to do that, he's going to go, it's just a coworker. You know, and we had like, we, we had this great project together. So he's going to try to turn it around on you. So I'm not sure how you defend that. Honestly, I think you just have to hold your ground. I think you need to be as honest as possible because I think your feelings are incredibly valid. You notice, and there's nothing greater than a woman's intuition, you have noticed that something is going on. So I think you just be upfront with him about how you're feeling, and I think you're going to see those lies all over his face if he is hiding something. I think it's the combination of everything. Yeah, like you may not have the smoking gun, but you certainly got enough smoke for a fire. So I mean, you, once you <laughs> for sure once you put all of this together, I, I I see I don't see a way where he can say that it, this is not an issue. All right, Danielle. Exactly. So at least you know when you approach him. I don't even know if you want to bring these up. Probably not, like Abby said. But at least your your gut is telling you something's not right. It's time to have a talk with this guy. And if you do, we'd love to hear back from you. Okay, thank you guys so much. You've helped me out so much. All right, good luck. Sorry. Sorry, I'm just mm-hmm. like emotional. <laughs> Sorry, Understandable. All right, thank yep. you guys. See ya. The Burt Show. Takes years and years to understand this as a parent. That when your kid comes to you with a question, you're allowed to say, let me think about that and get back to you on that. I think when you have younger kids, uh, there's ego involved. So you want to have the impression with your kids, like you know everything. So when they hit you with a question at like three or four years old, right? You want to you, you, you have that thing ready to go, right? Maybe even a little bit older. I've learned that lesson. Like I'd rather say, hey, let me pause and get back to you on that one rather than me tell him, Give him the answer to the question and then him Google it and go, Dad, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So this one is more opinion than anything else, but I didn't know how I felt about it. A, I hadn't thought about it at all, to be honest with you, and I don't feel like I'm educated enough to really have an opinion on it. So let me tell you what's going on. Hollis and I watch a lot of sports together, right? So we're watching uh, one of the playoff games over the weekend. Uh, We are bonding really, really at an intimate level, sitting there not talking at all, watching football. Mm. And Taylor Swift. That's what dudes do. You're bonding over Taylor Swift and the Chiefs games. That might be the only time we (laughs) talk to each other. But we were very close at the time. (laughs) So out of nowhere, he hits me with, hey, Dad, what are your feelings on the NFL announcing that there are going to be two national anthems sung at the Super Bowl? And I'm like, what are you even talking about, dude? They've Two, done this for a while now. A couple right? of years now, Fred. Years. I, I don't know that I, I I don't know that I've heard it referred to as the national the national anthem. The black the, national the black, black national, national anthem. anthem. Okay. Oh. So yeah. Uh the song is he is referring to is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Uh this year it's gonna be performed by uh, a Grammy Award winner 
who is Andra Day. And for the pre-lineup for the Super Bowl this year, I think Reba McIntyre is doing the national anthem. I think Post Malone might be doing the Star Spangled Banner. And well, those are the same things. He's going to do America the Beautiful. Uh, that's right. America the Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So um, Lift Every Voice is known as the Black National Anthem. And he asked me, like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, uh, I got to be honest with you, son. I haven't thought about it for one second. <laughs> Nor have I thought about it the past three years they've done it. <laughs> Not once. So he said to me, uh, his feeling on it, he, asked, he was asking more questions than anything else. So he's like, don't you feel like that's kind of divisive? Like we have one national anthem in this country. So if we start singing a black national anthem, let's say Latinos are going to have a Latino American national anthem. So do we start doing that also? So do you feel like it's divisive? And my initial knee-jerk reaction was, I see what your point is and I see where you're going with this, but I don't know that I'm educated enough uh, to really have a strong opinion about it. So that's why I brought Katie in. She's black. Uh, Amber, our phone screener, and Mo also like, tell us about the song and what it means and why it's important to have a black national anthem played at the Super Bowl when we've had a national anthem for a long time. Well, I think for me, uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing, I don't think was originally meant to be the black, quote unquote, national anthem. It, mm-hmm. it really was a song for us that is more so about hope. Uh, resilience, the transcending of slavement and discrimination and a better future for black black people in America, period. That's what it was. It kind of became the black national anthem. I mean, we got a couple. We got Before I Let Go, we got Electric Slide. Mm. Technically, we got a few <laughs> national anthems. But yes, this one uh, leads the culture in that regard. And if you listen to the national anthem, it's obvious that it was enrooted in slavery and in the soil of slavery because the person who wrote it was a slave owner. And there's a third verse of which they pretty much speak to how the slaves were just like waste, just wasteable in, in the war. And so once, in the national anthem, there's that line. Yeah, there's a third mm-hmm. verse that's seldomly mm-hmm. sung that literally says it literally says that about how the slaves were pretty much just waste. During a war. I had no, honestly, I had because no idea. Because Francis Scott Key wrote it when the, um, when we were fighting with Great Britain to get our independence, correct? Exactly. So mm-hmm. once black people became educated upon that, you obviously felt like this isn't a song for us. This isn't, this doesn't represent us in a way that we feel like we should be represented. So even though, so what you're saying about that part of the song, it's been omitted from the national anthem that we know now? For the most part. Okay. It's, it's sung sometime, but it's seldom. It's not often, but it's there. It's a, it's a part of the original national anthem, and they try to pretend like it's not mm-hmm. and just remove it. But that doesn't work for us because we know what that's truly rooted in and what the genuine mm-hmm. meaning behind that song is. So for a long time, black people have been forced to just stand there and act as if we are, we feel like we're a part of that when we know we're not. It's the complete opposite. And I, sh- I should say this, too. I think I read that this quote-unquote black national anthem was written in 1919, a long, long time ago. I believe so. Okay. That sounds about right. So in terms of the NFL... The majority of the NFL, if you look at the the players and what obviously black representation is very, very high and strong in the National Football League. And for whatever reason, a lot of viewers feel as if it's not important or necessary to make all of these black people feel just as included when you talk about the NFL because it's a quote unquote sport. But in reality, if you have a platform that big and you have these issues going on in this country, I personally believe you should use that platform to shine a light on these issues. That's what Colin Kaepernick did. 
that's when the whole national anthem started to become. That's when more black people, I believe, started to realize. Like you just were been educated upon mm-hmm. what the national anthem is. So were a lot of other people. So at that point, the NFL decided, well, how do we make black people feel more inclusive? And then that's when Lift Every Voice and Sing became the quote unquote black national anthem. From what I've seen, the problem with a lot of people are saying it's divisive because now you have two national anthems. It's one way to look at it, or you can look at it like the original national anthem was actually divisive because of how many black people sit there and pretend as if we are proud of the fact that that song is being sung in front of our face, and now they've added something to actually include it. So it's actually inclusive. It's not divisive, Mm. but it's all in how you look at it. So if you feel like the original national anthem should be changed and it should go back to actually being something that is united for all of us, then maybe we could have one. But if you don't do that then you're still being divisive toward the black people who are sitting there and actually help promote this brand, bring in this money and take things to another level level while still speaking to slavery in all of the years that we were enslaved as if it never happened right in front of our face. Okay. So just so I'm completely clear in what you're saying. So, and you know what? I can't believe I'm as old as I am. And I didn't know about that paragraph or whatever in the national anthem that was considered a racist. Uh, So what you're saying then is even though that was taken out and I'm not sure what year that was, even though that was taken out, we don't honor that part. Clearly most people were thinking, all right, this is obviously racist, so we're taking it out of our national anthem, and it hasn't been sung for a very long time. You're saying because it was originally written like that, the spirit of it had racism in it, so you don't accept it. 1,000% yeah. it was written. Putting a Band-Aid on a yeah. cut. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the problem. I feel like growing up, I was forced to respect the national anthem because we live in America, mm-hmm. but why would I respect an anthem that wasn't written with us in mind, with the black community in mind. So by the Super Bowl doing this and adding the black national anthem, I think it should be every game, not just the Super Bowl, Mm. because now you're finally including us. Now you're finally saying, okay, we recognize where we went wrong. But at the same time, like Mo said, we could have probably just made one anthem, okay? If Mm y'all want to really do this, (laughs) make one new anthem. But if you're not going to do that, include us in this. And that's what I'm uh, happy about, that Mm. they're at least trying to do something. Yeah. Amber. I, I, I've been black for about 37 years. <laughs> Surprise. Was there six months you took off? Yeah, you know. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of those things that people don't always think about. Like, for instance, a lot of people had no idea what Juneteenth was mm-hmm. until recently, be, until it became an actual holiday. Then they started to pay attention to it. Uh, dealing with MLK Day. Um, we had off on that time. We also have off on Juneteenth. But there, I've said this many times. I've never worked for any employee, employers, especially they were white, mm-hmm. and I got those holidays off. It's about the 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 including uh, our culture and our past and history and acknowledging that we are part of history, mm-hmm. not just black history. Black history is American history. So you're uh, so you're saying like this is not divisive. If that's the first word it's you're inclusive. using, this is inclusive. Mm-hmm. I think it's inclusive, but of course there are people who don't want that inclusion to happen, so they rather look at it as divisive. Okay. Now I got a better education on it. All right. <laughs> it's the Burt Show. The Burt Show. So on Instagram, if you follow at ATL Scoop, usually <laughs> it gives you a pretty skewed view of Atlanta. I mean, a lot of times on ATL Scoop, it's things that are going on in the city that people capture, and you're just like, oh, my God, this this is the city that we live in? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to call out the most outlandish and the, you know, outlandish and the crazy. Right. Uh, and it makes for good viewing, that's for sure. But yesterday, they did a post 
um, that really struck me because I've been here now in the city for 23 years. So, Kristen, you've been here for how long? 12? It'll be 13 this year. 13 years. So some of these you might remember. Some of these you might not have any idea, and I'll have to explain them to mm-hmm. you. But for somebody that's been here for like two decades, I'm like, oh, yeah. So the post from at ATL Scoop was, I'm so Atlanta, I remember. And the first one was a radio station called 95.5 The Beat. And I think it was before you got here. Mm-hmm. So this radio station, man, um, I still can't put my finger on why it had such amazing street talk in the city because it never had good ratings. <laughs> <laughs> it never had great ratings, but it became sort of, I don't know, it was like this viral sensation in Atlanta that people were talking about. But it never had any ratings. Which is impressive because, like, that was so long ago. It's before, like, there were yes. like, viral sensations online. Yes. Mm. So this was 20 years ago, and people are still like, oh, I remember the beat. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just want to let you guys know we're beating the beat's butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, there was a booth, a toll booth, I should say, on 400, and I would go all the way around to 85, so I wouldn't have to pay him $2 to get to work every morning. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. stupid. Toll booth. I mean, I'll never forget when my husband and I first moved here. We were looking at houses on the south side, and we needed to take four hundred to get back to our rental, and we didn't have the two dollars. Like we were digging <laughs> underneath, like mats, trying to find change. And I'm like, "What are we gonna do? <laughs> how are we gonna get back up to the state? How are we gonna get back up to Sandy Springs?" Even before I got here, when they built that toll, I remember coming here saying, "Yeah, they're saying they're taking the toll booths out, but they've been saying that for years and years and." Years. Years, it's never going to happen, but it finally did. And it was literally the most dangerous stretch of roadway the, the hundred feet or hundred yards, maybe even leading up to the toll booth was so dangerous because people were trying to find the shortest line. So there'd be all this jockeying between five lanes uh, trying to get to the oh shortest no. line to get through the toll booth, right? Uh, creative loafing newspaper used to be a local newspaper here. It was about like the arts and stuff, and they would give awards out and it. It just, it was the the heartbeat of Atlanta. And I'm not even sure what happened to it. It's not around anymore. Well, I thought, is it not still online? And they just don't is have it? a hard copy? Maybe. Um, the Braves played in downtown Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do miss Turner Field sometimes. God, it wasn't even before that. Then even. Fulton, yeah. Yeah, Fulton County. It was nice seeing the... the um, the the wall, the Fulton wall where Hank Aaron hit his home run in the, yeah. that parking lot right next to Turner uh, Field. There was something special about and dangerous about going <laughs> to that city downtown. <laughs> it, it was just a grittier part of town and there was something about the experience about going to Fulton County uh, that was really, it, it was, it, it felt Braves. I work for, I worked for the Braves for a season, one season and that's, I went down to Turner Field and never once did I fear for my life. <laughs> Have you been around there lately? It's unrecognizable. Is that it's, right? So nice. I drove through the area and I was like, I want to live here. It's really? a beautiful bunch of new restaurants. It's gorgeous. No, I haven't. Yeah. Um, Pond City Market was just a whole, was a abandoned Sears mm-hmm. back in the day before really? they made it. Yeah. It just revitalized that whole Beltline area, which I still consider part of like the best that Atlanta has to offer to me is the Beltline on a spring or a fall day when it's really nice. And there's so many people walking outside or a lot of people that are buzzed also, but everybody's getting along and the diversity down there. I, I, I I just love that part of town. But it started with an abandoned Sears building. Wow. Um, the tornado that ran through the West End downtown. You know, it's the tallest. It's I think it's the tallest building in downtown. It's a circular one. Oh, yeah. 
I think it used to have, it did have a restaurant above it. It still does, but it doesn't turn the way it used to because there was something tragic that happened to a kid. Yeah, the sundial. The sundial, right. Uh, the windows were knocked out of that Westin, and it took them the longest time to try to get those windows back in there because I think they were circular, mm-hmm. and it wasn't very easy to find those. But a tornado went through downtown. Yeah, it went through right downtown. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if the windows are still like that, but for the longest time, you could see that they were mismatched because I think the people who yeah. manufactured the original windows, they weren't being manufactured anymore. So there's, they were, it just wasn't a match. Um, let's see. Underground used to be jumping in Atlanta. And this, this was even before my time here. Um, but Atlanta downtown, <clears throat> it, underground had a whole bunch of bars and a whole bunch of restaurants. And it's where the peach drop used to be also. And back in the day, it was just like this jumping party place. And I'm not exactly sure what happened to it, but they have tried to revitalize underground four, five, six times over the last 20 years, and it never seems to take off the way people from Atlanta remember that that part of town being. Mm. It just hasn't hit the same thing. Um, Ludacris was Chris Lova Lova on the radio. <laughs> he was a DJ at V103, I think, before he was Ludacris. That blew my mind when I first found that out. I had no idea that's how he got his start. Uh, Freak Nick, uh, even if you weren't part, uh, didn't live in Atlanta, you heard about Freak Nick. (laughs) That's everywhere. You heard that anywhere you were. All around the country. And again, this is from ATL Scoop, and the whole thing was all about, like, uh, I'm so Atlanta, I remember. Man, I remember that ESPN zone in Buckhead. I don't remember Uh, that. Oh, my God. It was so fun. It was so huge. And that area of Buckhead just used to be the crown jewel of partying. I wouldn't even say of Atlanta. I'd say the Southeast. Like, people knew what Buckhead was. Mm -hmm. They didn't really necessarily know a lot about Atlanta. But the streets in Buckhead every Friday and Saturday night were lined with thousands and thousands of people. They would would, um, block it off. It felt like New Year's Eve in New York every Friday and Saturday night. So that was obviously before I lived here. But when I was in college and there used to be all these SEC tournaments in Atlanta, my girlfriends and I would always come to Atlanta for these games and Buckhead was where we went and just bar hopped and bar hopped and went to club to club and just partied our asses off. It used to be such a fun part of town, man. <laughs> the Bird Show.